Hi, I'm Steve Bartlett, and welcome to Fight Back with Steve Bartlett. What a coincidence that my name just happens to be in the name of the show. But anyway, um, I'm white, I'm male, I'm over 50, and I live in the South. But I'm a liberal. That makes me more rare than, state, than steak tartare. But what the hell, you're here to watch my show. And once again, we're going to be talking about guns. I know this is what we've been talking about for the last month and a half, but I promise those who died in um, the Florida shooting and the survivors that I'm not going to just talk about guns for one episode and then move on to something else. I was going to talk about it until everything I can think of has been talked about. So I promised them, so we're going to talk about it again tonight. The first episode, we talked about the First Amendment, I mean the Second Amendment, and what the right to bear arms actually means. And even though Scalia said that there is a constitutional right to own a handgun for protection, the government can regulate it. We can um, ban certain types of guns, and there can be gun registrations and other types of regulations that that is not a violation of your Second Amendment right. Then we talked about how you do not have a right to use guns to rebel against the country, that there's no right to revolution. We talked about that on the show. And uh, last week, we talked about the correlation between the amount of guns that we have in our society and the amount of gun deaths caused by those guns in society, and showed how that is true all over the world, and got rid of a bunch of the stereotypes, such as how we have a mental health problem, not a gun problem, how it's video games that causes gun violence. We got rid of a lot of those stereotypes and ideas. But today we're going to be talking about the main reason why there's so much opposition to, to laws that are there to regulate guns, reasonable gun laws, and why there are none and why the politicians refuse to do anything to stop the gun violence. And I can tell you that with three letters, N-R-A. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about tonight. We're going to talk about the N-R-A tonight. So let's talk about the N-R-A. Um, let's talk a little bit about the history of the N-R-A. Okay, now how did the NRA get started? Uh, wait, I don't have my visual aid going on back here. Where's my visual aid? Um, back here on the wall, there we go. There's the first picture. Okay, trivia question, who is this guy? Well, this guy was a general in the Civil War. He was from the North. And uh, back in 1871, he started the organization that we now call the NRA. And you gotta love those pork chops on the guy's face. Uh, what his name is, is General Burnside. And yes, we got the term sideburns because of him. So not only is he the founder of the NRA, but he's also the founder of sideburns. Now, I don't know why they flipped his name. I don't know why his name is Burnside and they call him sideburns. I don't know if they just thought that was clever. Because if his name happened to be General Sideburns, will we now call the things that grow on our face Burnsides? I don't know. But what happened is, back in 1871, after the Civil War, he realized that a lot of the people that were drafted into the army to fight for the North, when handed their guns or rifles back then, were incompetent. They could not shoot worth a damn. And so he figured, if we ever need a civilian military again, if we never have to have a draft to fight a war, or we get invaded and we have to use um, the constitutional powers to call up the militia, we need people who know how to handle themselves with firearms, okay? Because the term well-regulated in the Second Amendment does not mean regulation. What it means is a well-trained, well-disciplined army. So the whole point of the NRA was to teach civilians how to use firearms in case we ever need them to be drafted in the military. And that's what the NRA was for. 
to try to help people learn how to use guns properly. And the original NRA was a really fantastic organization. It was a grassroots organization that was made up primarily of hunters and sportsmen, people who are hobbyists who like shooting for fun. And those people are not the problem. That's not the reason we have so much gun violence. You know, and a lot of them are up in arms thinking that liberals want to take their guns away. We don't want to take their guns away. What we want to do is keep guns in our country, but regulate it and make them safe and to say that certain people shouldn't have guns and certain types of guns might be better off if they were regulated or maybe banned, but should be more uh, studied with a little bit more stricter scrutiny than what we do now in which anybody can buy whatever they want. Okay, and they did a lot of good things, the NRA. They promoted gun safety. They promoted, um, you know, the proper way to handle a gun, how to take apart a gun, how to store a gun, you know, and they sell, they did a lot of good for the public and the NRA still does a lot of those same type of things, okay? One big difference between the NRA uh, of yesteryear and the NRA that exists now can be best explained by looking at, uh, going back to the 1920s, okay? Um, back in 1929, on February 14th, 1929, um, most people were giving their girlfriends or wives candy or flowers or something. But a guy named Al Capone in Chicago gave a different type of Valentine Day. Okay? And it was the Valentine, St. Valentine Day Massacre, in which um, some people in his gang, I think it was the Moran gang, that he gunned down with a machine gun. They, uh, they shot him with the machine guns, and, and it was a huge story all over the papers, and the people were shocked. But this was the time that there was high crime rate. Not only was there Al Capone, but there was Bonnie and Clyde in the early 30s and other gangsters as well. Um, there was a guy named John Dillinger back in 1933 who uh, robbed 10 banks and fired a machine gun as he sped away. And the new president was a guy named FDR, and he said that he's going to make fighting crime and gun control part of his new deal. That people are scared of all these people getting killed by machine guns. So we created in 1934 the National Firearms Act and the 1938 Gun Control Act, which helped outlaw machine guns. And you know who helped them draft that legislation? The NRA. I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson.
I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair, and Holox is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. At the time the legislation was passed that outlawed machine guns, the head of the NRA was a guy named Carl Frederick, okay? And this is what he had to say during that time of the legislation when he was helping FDR draft it. He said, I have never believed in the general practice of carrying weapons. I do not believe in the general promiscuous toting of guns. I think it should be sharply restricted and only under licenses. Here we have the NRA talking about not people being able to carry guns around restricting the usage of guns and requiring licenses before owning guns. That was the NRA's position. Can we envision them doing that now? In 1963, after Kennedy was assassinated, the NRA executive vice president, a guy named Franklin Orth, supported the ban in being able to get mail order guns. He said, we do think that any sane American who calls himself an American can object to play cannot object to placing into this bill the instrument which killed the President of the United States. Okay? That was the guy who was the NRA Executive Vice President. Now you can buy guns, anything, over the Internet. However, back then, they didn't want you to be able to get mail-order guns. The NRA has changed. The NRA opposes all gun laws now, for the most part. They're against the restricting of semi-automatic weapons. They're against registrations. They're against licensing. They oppose the Brady Bill. They even filed a brief with the United States Supreme Court that argued that background checks are unconstitutional. And the question is, why? Why has there been this big change in the NRA? An NRA that used to care about gun safety, who cared about the rights of hunters and the rights of um, sportsmen to, who like to shoot, okay, and caring about decreasing the deaths of people caused by guns, and were for sane sensible gun restrictions, why did they totally change it and go 180 degrees in a different direction? Why the change? Well, the basic reason is that there's a difference between the leadership of the NRA and the membership of the NRA. The membership are still made up of primarily hunters and hobbyists, or just good people who like their guns. They want to protect their families at home, they want to go out to the range and shoot, and they like, um, they like hunting. Um, but they're not the people calling the shots. The people calling the shot is the people who are the leadership of the NRA. And those people do not care about the uh, members of the NRA. They'll tell them that they care about their rights, but they really don't care about the rights. What they care about is the corporations. They care about the manufacturers of guns. They care about the manufacturers of the... Um, um, of the munitions, that's who makes the big bucks, and that's how they get the big bucks. Because you know what? The modern NRA is no longer a grassroots operation. It is now primarily a lobby group for gun manufacturers, because baby, gun manufacturing is big business, okay? Now, if I were Trump, I would have this all money, 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 money playing in the background right now, okay? How big is this business? They do approximately $13.5 billion a year in revenue. That's what the gun manufacturers make, $13.5 billion a year in revenue. 
Gun stores bring an additional $3.1 billion a year in revenue. Okay? Now, so far, currently, the NRA's money that goes to them directly, they used to get their money primarily from dues from its membership. Not anymore, baby. Right now, less than half of the NRA's revenue comes from program fees or membership dues. Okay, the majority of money from the NRA now comes from, guess who? Yep, the gun industry. Okay, they give them money through grants and advertising in their literature and whatever. They pay advertising that goes to the money to the NRA. So the NRA gets their money from the gun manufacturers. Okay, some companies, some gun manufacturers actually donate portions of sales directly to the NRA. Crimson Trace, which makes the laser sights, they donate 10% of the revenues of each sale to the NRA. Taurus buys an NRA membership for everyone who buys one of their guns. And Sturm Ruger gives a dollar to the NRA for each gun sold, which is millions of dollars. Okay? So the NRA has a financial incentive for the sale of guns. And as we showed last week, the more guns there are, the more people die. Okay? The NRA gets more money when more guns are sold. Okay, look at Wayne LaPierre, okay, the president of the NRA. He makes currently approximately $5 million a year. Not bad for a nonprofit. The NRA is not a lobbyist for the Second Amendment, okay? They say they're a lobbyist for the Second Amendment, but like I said on the second episode of the show, the Second Amendment only protects the individual right to own a gun for your own protection and to use it for historically legitimate purposes like hunting, okay? That's not what the NRA is promoting. The NRA promotes things that are not protected by the Second Amendment. There is no Second Amendment right to own an assault weapon, but the NRA says it's a violation of their rights. There is no Second Amendment right. Scalia said so, okay? There's no Second Amendment right that protects people from having background checks or from having the Brady uh, law apply to them or from... Um, having a waiting list or uh, preventing um, people from being able to have mental illness and owning a gun, uh, requiring um, there to be a waiting period or, or any of the other things that people who want sensible gun control to do, okay? The NRA is against it. They claim it's a violation of their rights. Well, according to the Supreme Court, including to the, um, the king of conservatives, Scalia, that is not protected by the Second Amendment right, okay? There is a Second Amendment. It applies to more than just militias. You already have the right to own a gun. Then why is the NRA caring about all these other things that aren't protected by the Second Amendment? Okay? And the answer to that is very scary. Okay? The NRA wants people to die. Okay? The NRA is not a lobbyist for the Second Amendment. Instead, they're a lobbyist for the death industry. Okay? We hear a lot of arguments that people from the NRA make about guns aren't the problem, it's mental illness that's the problem. When Obama was president of the United States, he entered a regulation that says that if anyone has been declared to be incompetent mentally and they have a guardian and they're collecting disability due to the mental illness and the government does not trust them because of this mental disability to handle their own funds so they have a guardian who gets their check from the government each month, that these people should not be owning firearms, okay? When Trump became president of the United States, one of the very first laws that he passed 
which was passed by the Republicans in the House, the Republicans in the Senate, and proudly signed into law by President Donald Trump, was a law repealing that regulation. Why? Why did the government feel that it was so important to restore the ability for people who are mentally ill, who can't be trusted to handle their own money because they're so mentally ill, who can't work because they're so mentally ill, why put guns in their hands? Why did the NRA support that legislation? It sounds completely absurd. It seems like there's no logical reason. Why? Because people die. Now, the Congress doesn't want people to die. I'm sure Donald Trump didn't want people to die. They only did what they were told by the people writing the check, the NRA, who writes the check that they give to the politicians, mostly in the Republican Party, to do their bidding. The NRA was only doing the bidding of the gun manufacturers. Okay? The gun manufacturers want people to die. Why? Because whenever people die, the gun manufacturers make more money. Okay? I'm Jerry from Hot Locks Hair Salon. We are conveniently located at 13414 US Highway 19 in Hudson. I've been a local hairstylist in our community for the last 34 years, seven of which I was an educator. Our passion is the artistry of hair and Hot Locks is here to help you achieve your perfect image. You can call us at 727-514-9978. Look at notes. Okay, um, there are so many profits that are made by the gun manufacturers whenever there's a mass shooting. The day after the Parkland shooting, Sturm Ruger and company stock was up 2.8%. Ammunition maker Olin was up 1.4%. Smith & Wesson's parent company, which is a company called American Outlaw, um, American Outlaw Brands, their stock up went 5.6%. This is the day after the Parkland shooting, a week after the Orlando shooting. One gunstone owner registered nearly 30,000 sales of the AR-15 rifle, according to an interview that they made with some reporter from Fox. Okay, big, big bucks happen. Study after study shows that when people die, gun manufacturers make more money. Okay, now why is that the case? 
Well, a corporation is not a human being. It doesn't, regardless of what uh, Mitt Romney might think, a corporation is not a human being. Okay, and the person who's the CEO or the president of the corporation, he has something called a fiduciary duty. He has one duty and one duty only. His duty is not to protect the public. His duty is not to raise money for charity. His duty is to make more profits. The more money that his corporation makes, that's more money for the owners, which is the shareholders, and then he ends up getting a bonus. He has a duty. He can get fired and should get fired if he breaks that duty to bring in as much money as possible to the shareholders. So if studies show that whenever people die by the use of guns, gun sales go up and the shareholders make more money, why would they uh, promote legislation that would decrease gun deaths? If gun deaths go um, down, then their profits go down and they would be breaking their fiduciary duty. On the other hand, if they promote policies that increase gun deaths, like making it easier for the mentally ill to acquire guns, then their profits go up. Okay? It's a circle. The way it works is like this. Okay? People die. And then liberals like me say, we need more gun control. We need some laws. We need reasonable laws. So then people go on Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and the NRA mobilizes and starts telling people, oh, we can't do this. The government wants to come and take your guns. Obama's going to take your guns. You're not going to have any guns anymore. You're going to lose your right to own a gun. So you guess what? you got to buy a mouth. If you don't act right now, you're going to lose your right to buy a gun. So you better go right now. They're on sale, by the way. Yes, you can get two for the price of one. If you just go down to the gun store, you can buy two for the price of one guns. Okay? And people are scared. People are scared that they're going to get killed in their homes by these guns. So they go out and buy more and more guns. And the more people buy guns when there's a tragedy, the more profits they make. And what does the gun manufacturers do with the profits? They give it to the NRA. And what does the NRA do to the money? They give it as lobbyists to those in Congress to those at the state legislatures, so that regardless of what the polls say about reasonable gun control laws, okay, the NRA convinces these politicians who take their money, gladly take their money, to vote against things that the public is for. The NRA spent $31 million in the presidential election against Hillary Clinton. $31 million in the presidential election alone. Paul Ryan who announced today that he's not going to run for re-election, which is such a horrible, horrible thing for our country. He receives more money than any other congressman. Okay? Now, why is that? What a coincidence. The NRA gives more money to Paul Ryan than anybody else in Congress. Why? Because he's the Speaker of the House. And the Speaker of the House has the exclusive right and makes the exclusive decision as to what laws to bring to the floor in the House of Representatives. Even if every other member of the House of Representatives wanted a vote on a law, Paul Ryan can say no. And that's why the House of Representatives under Paul Ryan has refused to even consider any laws that could regulate guns and make our world safer. Because the NRA, who are the whores for the gun manufacturers, won't let them. In 2016, the NRA funneled more than a million dollars into efforts to re-elect Marco Rubio in the state of Florida. And he's one of the top ten beneficiaries of the NRA in the Senate. Okay? The NRA gives the politicians money, which is what politicians need to win. And what do these politicians give us? 
They give us hearts and prayers. Hearts and prayers. Okay? We don't need your hearts and prayers. We need you to do the right thing. And you can only do the right thing if you stop taking the money. Okay? The way things are working now is similar to what it was like in the 1800s, and the 1700s, 1600s, in which we had something called molasses to rum to slaves, in which everyone was making big money off of slavery. Everyone knew it was a sin. But sugar would be grown in the plantations that would then be converted in New England to rum, and ships would be built to go over to Africa to get slaves. Rum was traded and trinkets were traded over to the people in Africa in exchange for human bondage, human chattel, and then it would be brought back over here to work the sugar plantations. It was a triangle. Molasses to rum the slaves. And that's what's going on here now. People die, more profits for the gun manufacturers, which is more money for the NRA, which is more money in the politicians' pockets. Okay? We do not need thoughts and prayers. We need legislatures to do the right thing. Okay? What's the deal about these guns? It's like a phallic symbol for these people. Most guns are owned by just a few people. People have more than one gun. They're like addicts. They're like drug addicts with their guns. They're being victimized by the NRA who are using them as pawns to do the bidding of the manufacturers. Because you know what it's all about? It's as the Beatles said, Happiness is a warm gun. Bang, bang, shoot, shoot. Happiness is a warm gun. Mama, when I hold you in my arms and I feel my finger on your trigger, I know nobody can do me no harm because happiness is a warm gun. Mama, shoot, shoot. Happiness is a warm, yes it is. Gone. See you next week. I'll see you next week on Fight Back.